Welcome to the anointed and transformational teaching ministry of Pastor Wale Akinshiku, Senior Pastor of House of Praise Mississauga, Canada, a parish of the Redeemed Christian Church of God. It is our prayer that as you listen to this message, that you will be empowered to achieve your dreams and fulfill your destiny. God bless you as you listen. I want to talk to you about our prophetic focus for next year, like I told you I want to talk to you about. And um, Father, we thank you for this word. Thank you for what he's about to do in Jesus' name. All right. Um, the first thing you need to note is that God is omniscient. His omniscient means basically that he knows everything about everything. That's a simple definition of it. He knows everything about everything. There's no human being, nobody, that knows everything about everything. But omniscient means he knows everything about everything. Now, lost so many scriptures in the Bible about that. But I just want, I love this particular one, Acts, Acts of Apostles chapter 15 and verse 18. And this is what it says, known to God from eternity are all all his works, all of them, not some of them, all of them, everything. So you and I are the sheep of his pasture, we are his creation. He knows everything about our lives. God has many attributes. There's nothing God cannot do. But there's certain things that we human beings have that God does not have. I know that sounds like blasphemy, but it's not actually. God cannot learn. He can't learn because there's nothing to learn because he knows everything about everything. This, he can't learn. You know, when the Bible says when Jesus came, you know, the Bible says he learned obedience. It was when he became a man that he learned obedience because God cannot learn. He knows everything about everything. He's omniscient. So, the, new, the, the Living Bible translation says, this is what the Lord says, who reveals his plans made from the beginning. All right? So, the next thing I want you to quickly note is that not only does God know everything about everything, it is characteristic of him to declare the end from the beginning. Uh, and, and there are many reasons why God does that, and we might look at one or two of them as we go on. Okay? It declares the end from the... It's just characteristic of him. You know? In Isaiah chapter 46, verse 9 to 10, Isaiah 46, verse 9 to 10, in the NKJV version, it says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God. There's no other. I'm God. There's none like me. All right? Verse 10 says, declaring the end from the beginning, from the ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Part of the reason why God declares the end from the beginning is that according to the laws that God has set up himself, nothing happens on this earth. This is the way God set it up. Nothing happens on this earth without the cooperation of man. It's as simple as that. Nothing is going to happen here because God said, the heavens of the heavens belong to the Lord our God. The earth he has given to the children of men. Nothing happens in this territory, in this domain, without our cooperation. So God wants to, us to cooperate with him. He wants us to cooperate with him. That's why he declares the end from the beginning, mainly, all right? I like New Living Translation says, remember the things I have done in the past, I alone am God. I am God and there is none like me. Verse 10 says, only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Everything I plan will come to pass. I do whatever I wish. 
Thank you, Jesus. You know, I wonder how people live without God. Question number one quickly is then, what is the importance then of having a prophetic focus? What is the importance? So when we talk about prophetic focus for the particular year, what is the importance of having a prophetic focus? Let's look at some things. Why is it even needed anyway? Why do I need that? We're going to look at three things quickly. The first thing, reason why it's needed is this. A prophetic focus gives us clear direction for the journey ahead. There is nothing, and I know we've all experienced this, where I don't, particularly in the days before GPS or Waze or any one of those um, global positioning systems, you know, sat, sat nav, uh, all of that, before they became very, you know, is everywhere now. When we, this is when we still used to use maps. Any of you remember? Well, you have to oh, take a map. <laughs> you take a map and you're looking at the map and you, you know, if, I mean, some of you are well gifted in these areas, but there are some of us that are more confused after we've looked at the map. It's just not the way our own brains are, are wired. You know, and then you, and then you find, you ask somebody, you say, please, I'm going to this and this, and they say, oh, just go there. You see three blocks down the left, turn left. So you're thinking, okay, it's going to end there. And basically, when you turn left, then you will see, then you go right, then keep on going. Yeah. And God help you if you went to the U.S. Because in the U.S., it just happens that the average American thinks America is the world. No, but it's true. The average American thinks America is the world. So when they play baseball between themselves, they call it World Series. That's a lot of hubris. <laughs> they think America is the world. So, you know, I remember I was, there was one time, Thompson and I, we decided that, you know, we wanted to just um, um, know a bit more about, take a drive. I like taking a drive. And both of us. So anyway, so she so jumped in the car with me. We said we're going to go to five states in the US. Just, just driving you know, on, just five neighboring states. So we went. And on our way back, we, we didn't know the way. So we stopped. You won't believe this. I mean, it, it's, I'm telling you, we asked some people the way to Canada. Some people were hearing the word Canada for the first time. I felt very offended. <laughs> the, ah, you've never heard Canada before? In the US? God will forgive them. You know, providing focus gives us direction on the journey ahead. It's basically like our GPS. You know? It helps us to exactly what it says, to focus our energy and effort for maximum results. So we know now where to direct our energy. You see, one of the reasons why people fail or people don't maximize or give full expression to the giftings and the graces that God has placed upon their lives is that they dissipate their energy. A lot of us know about, we know, we hear about laser. Many of us have seen laser or used laser or seen where it's been used. Laser is very simple, it's just concentrated light. And if, it, if, it, if that is too complicated for you, at least you've used a, a water hose before or you've seen somebody the way it's used. Okay? The whole concept of it is just the narrow, the, the, the exit of the water. 
pressure is built up from the back and they narrow the exit. If by giving it focus, it comes up with a lot of power. And that is how our life ought to be. When we dissipate our effort and our energy, we can't get maximum result. So a prophetic focus helps us to do exactly that, to narrow our focus. None of us, um, if you don't believe this, please do believe it. None of us can be excellent at everything. We only have 24 hours a day, no matter how gifted you are. Okay, no matter how gifted I am. So to know how to be able to take our focus, to focus our energy and our effort so that we can produce maximum result. And number three, finally, that I want to share with you. It inspires our expectation for earthly manifestation. I now know what to expect. If what to expect now means that if it's not in line with this one, I know I have to fight it. You see, there's a prayer, there's a verse, verse of scripture, a series of verses of scripture, uh, or verses in, in scripture that I love so much, and we're going to engage this next year when I talk about some of the granular details of this. It's in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. When Paul was praying for the Colossian church, he said, for this reason, also since the day I heard of it, I pray for you that you may be, look at what it says, you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. That point is a very powerful point. Because, you see, as far as God is concerned, the most important thing, priority to God, is his will. You know, look at what Jesus said. When Jesus was leading us, leading us teaching us how to pray, look at what he said. Let's take it from Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, quickly, please. But you, Jesus Christ was speaking. When you pray, Jesus was teaching people how to pray. Go into your room and when you shut your door, pray to your father that was in secret. Keep going, please. Uh, you know, so Jesus, in teaching about prayer, he was correcting some errors that the Pharisees were doing, right? He was using the principle of contrast to emphasize his points. Your father who sits in secret will reward you openly. Say amen, please. Amen. He said, then he says, and when you pray, don't use vain repetitions as the heathen do. You see, because the concept here is not that you can't take the same prayer point again. The concept here is that the mindset of the heathen when they, were, when they talk to their God is to try and put so much pressure on their God to change his mind. So Jesus Christ is saying here that that is completely vain in this kingdom. You will not change the will of God. I cannot change the will of God. Even when Jesus was here physically, his prayer of consecration in the garden of Gethsemane is that, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Are you with me this morning? Are you with me this morning? Oh, you don't like this sermon. All right. Seven ways to enjoy your Christmas. <laughs> you know, then keep on going. I've not finished. Matthew 6, 8. Therefore, don't be like them. Your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Okay, then he says, look at it now. He says, in this manner you should pray. Our father who is in heaven, that's worship. You hallow his name. Then the next thing is your kingdom come. Then the next thing is what? Your will be done. That's it, your will. So we got to know what the will of God is. So this focus helps us to know what the will of God is for us. In other words, this is what God has planned for you and for me. If anything is going contrary to this, then I know it's not God's plan. So I know how to 
how to concentrate my energy to fight it. You, are you with me? Are you with me? Okay. Second question is that, so what is our providing focus for 2024 then? Let's get to it quickly. So for 2024, this is what God has, by his mercy, spoken to me about, that should give us focus, should help us concentrate our energy to clarify our expectations and give us direction for the journey ahead. Our prophetic focus for 2024 is showers of blessing. Mary said something in Luke 138. She said, be unto me according to your word. Can somebody just lift up your hands and just say, Father, I receive this word. I receive it into my life. I receive it into my spirit. I receive it into my destiny. I receive this word. Let it be to me, Lord, as what, according to what you have declared, according to what you have purposed, oh God, that going into next is going to be showers of blessing for me. In the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, thank you, my Father. Let it be so for me. I receive this word. Let it be. Let it be unto me as you have purposed, as you have said. I receive this word, showers of blessing into my life, into my destiny, in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Heavenly Father, as a church, collectively, we lift our hands and we say we receive this word, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, what I wanted to note about this, specifically, is I want you to know it is showers of blessing. The first word is plural. The last word is not plural. So in the Bible, you will see the word blessings. And in the Bible, you will see the word blessing. In the Bible, you will see the word sins, S-I-N-S. And in the Bible, you will see the word sin, S-I-N. They're different. Sin is different from sins. Blessing is different from blessings. Okay, so this is not a full theological um, exegesis of scripture, okay, because I wanted to keep it a bit light this morning because I have time to, to really expound on it later on. But just to help you, in John chapter 1 verse 29, John chapter 1 verse 29, John the Baptist was speaking, he said, behold, this is the Lamb of God that takes away, look at it, the sin, S-I-N. In 1 John Chapter 1, verse 9. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, so you see, it's not a mistake. The sin, S-I-N, is the nature. The sins are the actions. Sin, S-I-N, is the nature. Sins are the action. Or you could say sin, S-I-N, is the tree. Sins are the fruit. So when Jesus came, he didn't just come to forgive us sins. He came to take away our sin, the nature that produces the sins. Are you with me? That's why when John the Baptist, the foreigner, came, he said the axe will be laid at the root. So when we cut off the root of the sin nature, then the sins, you will just see that they're not happening anymore. All right? It's the same thing with blessing. Okay, so you have blessing, which you're going to see in a minute. Ezekiel 34, 26, which is where this is from. Just, but just put it on the screen quickly. I will make them and the places all around my hill a 
blessing. And I will cause showers to come down, keep going, please, in the season. And there shall be showers of sin. All right? Go to Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 2. Or let's start from verse 1. Deuteronomy 28, verse 1 and 2. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. Somebody ought to say amen to that. Uh-huh. And all these blessings. So you see that. So there's a difference between blessing and blessings. Many of the things we call testimonies, testimonies, they are blessings. They fall into the category of blessings. But it is the blessing that produces the blessings. So what you really need, what I really need, is the blessing to come upon us. And when the blessing comes upon us, it has different streams. Those streams are what I call the showers. Amen. God says in Ezekiel 34, verse 25 to 27, which is going to be our anchor scripture for the whole year. Ezekiel 34, 25 to 27. So get your Bible when you get home, you know, before you enter next year. Because the reason why we're doing this now is the earliest we've ever done this. Last year, we did it this at, on the 29th of the month, December, which was the earliest till that point. The reason why this is happening right now is because God wants us to prepare. He doesn't want us to get into the year. Then we're trying to figure out ourselves. We want to get into the year. Once we say Happy New Year, as we're leaving the gate, things are happening already. Even from after this service, things are happening already. So you get this, look at it in different translations. There are only three verses. Only three verses. 25, 26, and 27 of Ezekiel chapter 20. Chapter 34. Look at it in different translations. Think about it. That's called meditation. Ponder on it. Pray with it. Okay? Gather your family together. Talk about it. Alright? It says, I will make a covenant of peace with them and cause wild beasts to cease from the land. And they will dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. I will make them and the places all around my hill a blessing. I will cause showers to come down in the season. There shall be showers of blessing. Verse verse 27 says, Then the trees of the field, then the trees of the field, this is as a direct result of the blessing. The trees of the field shall yield fruit. Watch out for a lot of fruitfulness. A lot of fruitfulness Physical fruitfulness, financial fruitfulness, fruitfulness in the works of your hands, in the name of Jesus. And the earth shall yield an increase. I will tell you more about what that means, but let me just give you one insight into that. The earth shall yield an increase means there are many seeds you have sown into the earth, labor, effort, things you have put in. It looks like you have not seen any result. As you enter, the Bible says, you will start seeing result, result. Results will start showing up for you. Results will start showing up for you. There's so many things, areas where you have forgotten. You, you prayed. Some things you prayed about 10 years ago, you have forgotten because you think you didn't see an answer. All of a sudden, from this day, you will start seeing answers to this one. 
you will be asking yourself, when did I pray about this? I cannot remember praying about this, but God will make the earth yield an increase for you. The earth will yield an increase and you will be safe in the land. Demonic entities will not come near your home. No evil will befall you. No plague will come near your dwelling place. Diseases and sickness will not come near you. Then you will know that I'm the Lord, the Bible says, and I've broken the bands of their yoke and delivered them from the hands of those who enslaved them. Watch out, there will be a lot of victory in your life. In the name of Jesus Christ. I thought somebody is receiving it by saying, Amen to this. Please take a seat for one minute. Let's quickly ask ourselves the question, what is a blessing? People, many people are familiar with what are blessings, but what is a blessing? We'll get into the technicalities of it, like I said, later on as I we really go dive into it. But what is a blessing? Let's look at three things uh, a blessing really means. Please don't take this lightly. Try and catch understanding here. The first thing a blessing is, is this. It is an invisible empowerment that enables us to succeed in our God-given pursuits in life. If you write it, write it down exactly the way it is. Because it's well theologically crafted. We can never succeed in what God, that is not the will of God. So a blessing is not something that God gives us for us to go and do our own thing, even if it's contrary to the will of God. It doesn't work that way. A blessing is what God gives us so that his own will can come to pass in our lives, so that our God-given pursuits can succeed. It's an invisible empowerment. The interesting thing about a blessing is that when people look at you, they won't know you are blessed. You see, a blessing might still be working its way out to produce the blessings that people see. So people will look at you, they haven't yet seen the outward manifestation of the invisible blessing upon your life. So they might judge you at that particular point, but you don't judge yourself. Man always look at the outward. So they might see you this morning, you might have come in here now taking two, three buses. Maybe you shared, you had the Uber ride share with a friend of yours, or what have you. You know, you, you've, you've done that, that's fine. But when you carry a blessing, it has not yet produced, fair enough, okay? Maybe you've not yet seen the material equivalent of it, but that does not mean you should use your mouth to remove the invisible empowerment. It's an invisible empowerment. Only people with deep with spiritual eyes can see it, can perceive that this is the blessed person. You will succeed in your God-given pursuit. What you lay your hands on as you, what you lay your hands on as you enter this new year, it shall prosper. I know I'm praying for somebody. God will advance you. Maybe the person is online. God will advance you in the name of Jesus Christ. Invisible empowerment. That's what it means. You know, this is the way the Bible puts it. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. It makes, the point there is it makes, the blessing makes the blessing. So when you see Matthew chapter 4 verse 19 where Jesus said, follow me and I will make you. The question is how will you make it? How will you make me? You say follow me, I will make you. How will you make me? Well, one of the ways he makes us is to put his blessing upon us. So when he puts his blessing upon us, the blessing 
makes us. There's some things you feel like they give you some openings. I'm not, I'm not sure. They say, send your resume. I'm not really sure. What happens there if the blessing is upon you? It will, pu- it will push you. There's some things you are going to stumble into. There were some, there were some conversations of opportunities they did not plan you will hear about, but the blessing will position you correctly. There are people that you are going to meet, the blessing will make you meet them. The blessing is what made the servant of Abraham in Genesis 24 get to the well at exactly the time Rebecca got to the well. Not one minute late, not two minutes late, exactly the same time. They both got there at the same time. Because the prayer he had prayed is that whoever I said to give me water and to draw water for me, and the person draws water for me, and also for the animals, I will know that's the person. The blessing is what made other people not follow that pattern. But it was Rebecca. Rebecca might have been tired the night before. Didn't want to go on that day. Delegated it to her sisters. But the blessing, boom, pushed out. The blessing of God will make you in this new year. It will make your family in this new year. It is an invisible empowerment. Please take your seat. An invisible empowerment. Oh, and the, I will talk about this as we go on. And one of the key things about it is that it does not add sorrow. It doesn't add sorrow. The blessing. It's not the blessing. It doesn't add sorrow. It doesn't add sorrow. The second thing about a blessing is this. This is the second definition. It is an activation of supernatural forces. I love this one. To ensure your victory and prevent defeat and shame in your life. Activation of supernatural forces. You know, you know, please, you have to understand this. <laughs> the battle of your lives, or not, maybe not just battle, the way, the outcome of your life is decided by what you cannot see. The whole earth is a stage where acting the game out. Jesus Christ said so. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 5 to 7, Jesus Christ said, Behold, I come in the volume of your book. It is written of me. Somebody wrote that book. Somebody wrote, he said, it is written of me to do your will. It's been written. That's why Jesus Christ said, the Son of Man goes as it is written. Have you ever seen that in Scripture? The Son of Man goes as it is written. He said, but what to the man through whose, whose hand is betrayed? But the Son of Man goes as it is written. So it has been written. It's been sorted out. Okay? So you've got to understand that. Now, what blessings done, the blessing does for you, is that it assigns invisible forces to make sure, I, I, I prefer to call them forces or resources. These are angels, okay, that to ensure that what God has planned for your life, that they guide you into it. If you look at it now, it's not on my slide yet, but if you look at it, Exodus chapter, 20, chapter 23, verse 20, Exodus 23, verse 20, Thank you, Lord. He says, Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in your way, in the way to bring you into the place which I have prepared. So how are these people, slaves for 430 years, coming out of Egypt, going through the wilderness, how are they going to know the, land to, the way to Canaan? The wilderness, everywhere looks the same in the wilderness. No signpost, nothing. Nobody, no neighbor you can ask in the wilderness. But an angel will bring them in there. Forces, 
that will bring you. Some of you want to buy properties. Some of you want to get married. Some of you want to get this, get that. It's God's invisible forces that will lead you into those things. And when they lead you into it, it becomes easy. Oh, say amen to that. I, 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 have, I have to tell you this. When God first told, you know, I, I have, by, the message, by the message of God, told us about open heavens, it was April 2011, when God brought the vision. And I had my division. When I started, I started preparing, shared the vision. Towards about, um, this that was April, towards about August of that year, I thought, okay, where we're going to use, it's going to be a place in the International Center. This was 2011, called Hall 4. Hall 4 seats about 2,500 people. And I thought I was going to use, I went to see the Hall 4. It was so big. I said, God, how are people going to come here? So, anyway, I learned my lesson that if God tells you to do something, it's, you, you, you have to start studying the scriptures to build the faith for it. So I started studying the scripture. Then he occurred to me. I don't even know how he occurred to me, but he, he did occur to me. All of a sudden, telling you a true life story. That I'm going to need, for this thing to happen, you're going to, because it's not something you've done before, you're going to need supernatural forces to assist you. I'm telling you a true life story. The previous event we had on the 31st of December, which was 2010, we had 1,691 people come. So this particular event in 2011, we're saying, I told, when I shared the vision, I told them 3,000 people. Even the 3,000 people, I didn't have faith for it. I just said 3,000. The guy that printed the poster, as he told him this morning, he went to print 3,500 people. He wrote it there, he said, expect 3,500 people. The only reason why I didn't cancel it for us to do another one was because of the cost. <laughs> so I, this guy's put me in trouble. What am I going to, what are we going to do? So I said to God, I, I, I've not said anything like this here in this country. What are we going to do? And I started praying. Then I just had this idea in my spirit that you need forces to assist you. When forces assist you, it will be easy. So how am I going to learn about these forces then? And God just laid upon my heart, go and study by angels. I'm telling you a true life story. I did a study on angels and I bought five books on angels. I still have those books in my library. I read through those books. By the time I finished reading, reading those books, a study of scripture, I understood angels a lot more. I was confident that it was going to work. Because, you see, you need anybody that looks like a church like this and think this is the work of a man or smartness or strategy, then the person has a lot of issues in their head. Something should tell you this is spirit assisted. This is the assistance of the Holy Spirit, who is the Almighty God, using his angels to do what he's doing. Are you still with me? One of the scriptures I saw in those days was Matthew 13, 39, when I was studying it. Matthew 13, 39. And I'm sharing this now. Maybe somebody here needs this. He says, the enemy who sold them, Jesus is explaining the parable, is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. The reapers are the angels. Woo! When I saw that, I said, wow, that's, that, that explains why I'm tired. Because I've been trying to do the job of angels and my own job. The preachers are the human beings. The reapers are the angels. The preachers, human beings, reapers, angels. 
So your own job, they went everywhere preaching. Mark 16 verse 20. Mark 16 verse 20. They went everywhere preaching the word. They preached everywhere. That's the job of a human being, not reaping. It is the angels that are the reapers in the harvest season. So when I saw that, I said, fantastic. So blessings, there are harvest, bundles of harvest that are the package for you according to the will of God. It will take supernatural forces to lead you to those harvests and reap the harvest and put it in your hands. Somebody say a big amen. You will not lose out on this in Jesus' name. You will not lose out on this in Jesus' name. So, and you know, defeat, victory, you need victory. You need victory from battles that are people that are forces that are fighting you that you cannot see, that you don't even know. Battles that you don't even know. Let me, because you see, as God begins to lift you, even if you just put one step ahead of the other, automatically you will steer up all manners of forces that will say, ah, your father never got to this point. You want to break this barrier? You are joking. There are barriers in life. Even if your father got there, there are barriers in life you want to break into that, you know, to break into that barrier, you need spirits to assist you. Spirits will have to assist you. Even, you see, even sometimes I know when you read things like Fob List, you read all of this, you say, oh, this person is not a Christian. Oh, that person is not, let me say this to you. Nobody becomes a billionaire, billionaire in dollars. Let me say, clarify. Because I, I'm living in Canada, so particularly, don't think of what I'm thinking. <laughs> you can't become a billionaire without spirits assisting you. You're not going to cross that barrier, and spirits will leave you alone. Because whenever you cross, you cross that barrier, you have more than you got to eat on your table. What are you going to do with the rest? You have to use it to assist an agenda. So whose agenda are you going to assist with it? So spirits, when spirits see that you want to start moving towards that, they have to fraternize with you. So you can carry out their own agenda. That's why people, when you cross that barrier, they are, you will see they're carrying out one agenda or the other. That money must go somewhere to further an agenda here on earth. You must understand that. But the Holy Spirit will assist you. In Jesus' name. Number three, a blessing is a prophetic release of favor to await you in your future. So the blessing is not just God bless you. The words that are spoken, they are actually creative words that goes to create a path for you, the way for you in the future. Now look at it quickly. Genesis 49 verse 1, when Jacob was blessing the student, look at the way he said it. He said, I love this. He said, Jacob called his sons. This is a blessing. He's, call, he's calling his sons, biological sons, to bless them. He said, he called his sons and said, gather together that I may tell you. What does he want to tell me? This thing he said, tell you, is actually blessing them. Are you following? Yes, Let me tell you what will befall you in the last days. Imagine this. Look at the way he phrased it, of course, by the Holy Spirit. Befall you. That means whether you like it or not, it's going to fall on you. And then when he blessed Judah and said the scepter would never depart from him, when they were going to choose the king, the first thing they made, they, choose, they chose the king from Benjamin, tribe of Benjamin. His name is Saul. But Jacob had already said that the scepter would not depart from Judah. All of a sudden, Saul had to do some things that would be wrong so that David can get there. Because he had to be forward. The words have gone forward. The God of Jacob had to say, no, no, 
So when the blessing is released, what happens is that it's actually a crystallized prophecy in your future. It stands there waiting for you. It releases favor. So you just get there. You see, that's why when we pray for our children, don't get angry with them that you will use words that are weighty. And say, look at you. You don't amount to anything. That's the way you are. And the way you're going. I don't even think you can make it in life. Don't I? I? I'm even feeling it. Don't ever say things like that. You can get upset, get angry at the situation. That's fine. But you bless them. You open your mouth. You speak over them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Grandparents, you pray over your grandchildren. Let's look at seven dimensions. Don't worry, I won't take time to explain this. I'm just going to breeze through it. You will hear a lot about this throughout the year. And I will explain it to you um, from next week and open it up to you. But quickly, number one is spiritual intimacy. Number two, success and significance. Number three, supernatural victory. Number four, oh, that was so fast. All right, okay, 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 okay. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. All right. So number one is spiritual intimacy. So when we talk about showers, these are the streams now, these are the showers. Spiritual intimacy, like I said, I will explain this a lot more to you, but maybe I can mention a bit about this. You know, it's, it's us getting closer to God. This is a blessing. It takes favor with God. Favor with God is what brings us closer to God. It's what allows God to reveal himself more and more to us. All right? So you, need, you and I need that, spiritual intimacy, success, and significance. We need both, okay? It's part of the streams of these blessings, okay? The showers. Remember showers? Mm-hmm. Okay? Number three is supernatural victory. You should, you, should, you should really embrace this. Victory is a blessing. Deuteronomy 28 verse 7, put it on the screen. Deuteronomy 28 verse 7, you will see that it's a blessing to have victory. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you in one way. They shall flee seven ways. You see, it's a blessing to have victory. It's a blessing. Number four is favor. I will give these people favor. Favor is in dimensions. Our our Lord Jesus Christ, in his earthly ministry here when he became a man, he needed to grow in favor. You and I are not going to get to the new levels without the favor of God. Whether you believe it or not, and please do believe it, you are here today because God showed you favor. Uh, whether you want to believe that or not, you better believe it. Because to not believe that is pride. To think that you are here today because, you are, because of your smartness. And I'm not suggesting you did not work hard to give expression to that favor. Definitely you did. But please, please understand. You are here, you are what you are. You're who you are today and what you are today because of the grace of God. A dimension of that grace is what is called favor. Is there anybody like me that is here? That is here because of the grace of God. That favor of God is what brought us to this point. All right, I can see two people. Is there anybody else? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Where, where we are today, this is, this is, I mean, for myself, I know for sure. This is me that struggled to buy bread for 17 pence in London. I could not. I could not. But this is me. This is me. I didn't know that bread can expire. <laughs> One day my son asked me, said, he said, uh, it says the date, best before. I said, why, why are you looking at date? Eh? You, you take your bread, you're looking at date, look at you. The bread I ate in Africa, who, who showed me date? When you take the bread, you just press the bread. You just, you just, you just, you just open the thing and you continue your job. Hallelujah. 
I said, why, you, why, you want to spoil your, why do you want to spoil your heart looking at the dates? I came in good to go to I saw that they stamp best before on eggs. Ah. <laughs> Who does that? Why? Why? This is not when you crack the egg that you know whether it's best or not. <laughs> if you break the egg and you see it's a chick, oh, so, okay. Break it up. Tell me that's best for. So I said, so what do I do with this? That was when he was very, very young. I said, it's just an advice. Can advice? God forgive all of us. I can never forget. You know, I, I remember all these things because it helps you to stay grounded. I remember one day, many years ago, I think it was a three or so, I was having a child. It was Saturday morning. We're talking, so there were these seedless grapes at home. So we're playing with it. But it was, you'll take one that will run, will dodge. You'll take another one, will dodge. So as my own turn, you know, I, 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 I dodged the fan made I now took it, took the grape. I was about to put my heart. The thing fell on the floor. Without even thinking. You know, I didn't even, it was just a natural reflex. I just went, took it in. Please don't make too much fun of me. I just blew it twice, and then I continued the work of God. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? And allowed it to go where it was supposed to go. So he stood, I realized that he stood, because the game we're playing was that you will hide, I'll find, hide and seek. You know, if I'm able to find you within the particular time, then I'll take his seedless grip. So he was just looking at me. I said, go ahead now. Let's continue the game. He said, jams. Oh. <laughs> what you, I said, you're going to teach me about jams. What do you know about jams? How old are you that's talking about jams? I said, you know, you know what? But it was then that I realized that I did not even know. I mean, because where I'm coming from, nothing can be missing. <laughs> do you understand? Does anybody, does anybody understand, understand where I'm coming from? It can't be missing. So, but this is, this is now me now that I go to a place, I look at the seedless grapes and I say, I don't like green. My wife can buy, maybe buy the green. I say, no, I don't like the green one. This is one I like. I mean, how, where, from where to where? If not for the favor of God, if not for the grace of God, we will not be where we are. And I've told you several times, I am one person by the grace of God. I'm not ashamed to tell you where I'm coming from. Because when you look at where I'm coming from and you look at where God has brought me, the, the, the reason for that gap, to bridge that gap, the only way you can understand that gap is God. God is the one that took me, raised the poor from the dust and placed him among the princes of the people. I am not ashamed of it. It's a testimony of the goodness of God, of the greatness of God, of the power of God, of the favor of God. Is there anybody here thanking God for the favor God has shown them? Thank you, Lord. Favor. Number five, solid relationships. I like the way a pastor Pastor, nobody was praying for the marriages today. That oh, you know, notice that they were holding hands and all of that, and which is which is very good. I'm prayed for them. Solid relationships. The singles will meet their partners. And for us that were already in relationship, it will be solid. You know, there are many relationships that started as solid that have become liquid. And the relationship now is fluid. Fluid. Some are even gaseous. It's escaped through the window. He said, I don't love her anymore. <laughs> I don't love him anymore. 
But all of this is what God, you know, the, the good thing is this. You know, you know, we have liquefied natural gas. So if something is gas, you can bring it back again to liquid state and then you can freeze it. So you can still go back from the gaseous state to the solid part. I've learned something about God. Nothing is, nothing, nothing is ever far gone. Nothing is, you can never say anything is too gone. Lazarus was already thinking, but God brought it back. Number six. Do you need this one or not? <laughs> Do you need this one or not? Sound health. What about you? Trust me, boy. This, this one, I know a lot about this one. I know, I know enough anyway to thank God about this. You need it all. You see, if you have everything in this world, and this one crumbles. Your priority has changed. It has changed forever. So we need God to give us the blessings on our health. No, you will not be an experiment. You will not be used as an experiment. You will not be used as a guinea pig. I want to just pray for somebody here. They will not try new medications on you. They will not be trying new medications on you. They will not be using you to try new medications. In the name of Jesus. They will not be using you to try new therapies. In the name of Jesus. You will not lose your health. You will not lose your health. One more time. You will not lose your health. In Jesus' mighty name. Sound health is a blessing. Sometimes people say, oh, look at me, what have God done for me? And you're still able to talk. You don't even understand. You still have your cognitive powers. You can still read newspaper or listen to the news and understand what they're saying. <laughs> do, you, <laughs> do you know what that means? That you can still, I can see Pastor Chuman, I recognize this is Pastor Chuman. I'm looking at Pastor Joshua and his precious wife, Pastor Bosse, and I can understand that this is the. I didn't look to this and say, oh, Pastor Joshua. He said, No, I'm not Pastor Joshua. I said, eh, Are you new in this church? He said, No. Ah. <laughs> you know, this has happened to people that are age 20. <laughs> people that are young, you know, young adults, we, we feel that way. Young people feel they're invincible. I felt that way as a teenager. But this has happened. People have. Fell down, they fall down, they hit their head on the floor, by the time they stand up. Sorry? It's true. They've forgotten everything. They can't remember anything anymore. You have they have to start learning ABC all over again. They have to start reintroducing them to the family. What I'm telling you, I know. I've been in the tunnel. I know what I'm talking about. I remember when I was in the tunnel. Let me just tell you this part. I met a man. You know, you meet people. <laughs> in places. I met the man in the tunnel. The man did not recognize anybody. The only thing he remembered was his dog. Dog. He saw his wife. No. Children. No. Just dog. No, this God. Somebody lift up their hands. I pray for you one more time. You will not lose your health. You will not lose your health. You will not lose your health. In the name of Jesus Christ, you will not lose your health. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Please be seated. And number seven, supernatural supplies. You know, 
The days of not having enough are gone. The days of living in poverty, they're over. The days of lack and insufficiency are over. The days of lack and insufficiency are over. The days of poverty are over. The days of being a beggar, they are over. The days of living, living, losing your dignity for what you will eat, they are over. Please say a big amen. Please sit down for one minute. The first and the last one. Spiritual intimacy. And then, I'm just taking this so I will break it down further like I told you. Let's talk about the spiritual intimacy. In the last months, I've known this over time, but you know, everything we know, God takes us to new dimensions of it. God has been, because God has helped us, particularly also with this fast, We've gone into the fast as one kind of a person, came out of the fast on the other side, grown spiritually. And God has been ministering to me this whole concept about intimacy. I've known it, like I said, everybody knows that the Father, we have to be close to God. But I've been seeing dimensions of it and what is required for us to have a closer work with God. And somehow God has helped me to be able to hear the heartbeat of the Father when it really comes to this. If there's one thing God really wants from you, it is this idea that you'll be close to him. And I want you to know that it is a possibility for every single person, every child of God, to be close to God. Proverbs 23 verse 26 is where God started with for me. That started opening me up to this. Proverbs 23, this is it. This was started opening me up to this idea. And you know, God says, my son. Now, so in the Bible, the word son means many things. One of the things it means, it could mean a, 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 a matured male. But many a times when it's used in a spiritual sense, it's not talking about mature male alone. It's talking about a mature child. My son, give me your heart. Give me your heart. Because that's all I want. That's all. Let your eyes just observe my way. That's all. Give me your heart. And when I started meditating on it, and I saw the heart of the Father, He wants every one of us. Now, notice that He did not say, My servant. Then you will have said, Maybe He's talking about pastors, apostles, prophets, people that are in those offices. No. He came to His own, His own did not receive Him. But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to be called sons of God. John chapter 1, verse 11 to 12. Are you with me? God is calling for intimacy. The days of superstar Christianity, I've been saying this for a long time now, is over. It's over. Where one person will be the only superstar that knows God, and the rest of us, God is in a black box. We don't know anything about God. Those are over. What do you think? What do you think happened? Why do you think they call some churches Protestants? Do you know why they call some churches Protestants? Do you know the church history? What happened? It happened in the 1500s. Through a man called Martin Luther. No Martin Luther King. Martin Luther is a German theologian. And it happened, he was a Catholic. And in those days, the Bible was not in the hand of everybody. Nobody could know God. The only people that were that could read the Bible and talk about the Bible, that could even read the, the thing. And it was not written in the language of the common man. It was in Greek and in, in Latin. Where the priest. 
And they're the only ones that would declare to you what it says. You don't know what it says anyway. And it's what they decided it says that it is. And they were making a lot of money because people would come to them, give them money to go and get some um, leaf so that they can go and sing. True. In church history, things have happened though. How the thing called this body of Christ has not collapsed, that tells you Jesus is alive. Because people have committed atrocities. All of that were happening. And then suddenly, Martin Luther found out, you have to really be close to the priest, do whatever the priest is telling you, for you to find out if God is even going to save you. Works. It was all about works. Martin Luther not read his Bible and found out that salvation is by faith and faith alone in Christ and that's it and he wrote a thesis of 93 pages and nailed it to the door and said to them that this salvation is by faith alone and the Catholic church was very powerful it's still very powerful and they called him into a meeting and told him he should withdraw it and he said here I stand I can do no more direct quotation of course they excommunicated him eventually put him in prison translated the Bible into German language. He, I mean, then, of course, started the Lutheran church. So those people, the Catholic church, that was the church then, called them Protestants, that they were protesting. It was from there that eventually started the move of the Anglican church. And from the Anglican church, you had the Wesley brothers, they started the Methodist church. You need to know your history. Some of these things. You know, this is how, how all this is started. So the whole thing that people fought for and died for. These things, they died so that we can be intimate with God. And today people are in Pentecostalism. They're going back. They want to go back again to the old days. And particularly people from African descent. Some of us, because we have it in our history. It's embedded in our history. The concept of going to one man in a hut somewhere in the village and telling the man to consult his gods. The man takes one thing, chicken, 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 and he has many of them. Chicken, chicken, this one is not answering. Eventually, he invokes one of them and says, this one is already answering you. You have many of those things from where you're coming from. No? Of course, of course, of course. Some of them even follow some of you to this country. <laughs> and finally, he invokes one of them and says, this one is answering. Then he tells you, he says, Mm -hmm. You are not hearing what they say. You can't interpret what they say. You don't even know when the person is talking or not talking. Then he tells you, or if it's, if it's for my tribe, you go to the one that is dominant in my tribe. Then they take something like a necklace, they throw it on the floor. You say, shake it, shake it. Shake, 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 shake. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You take it again. And you say, ah, Baba, what are you seeing? You say, ah. He <laughs> shakes his head. Then he says some incantation, incantation. He takes something, he turns the, he turns the bead, he opens it. Ah! He looks at you. Hmm. He says some chant again. Three, seven, nine. Ah! He looks at you. Then he tells you what he means. All you are seeing is something that looks like a necklace. But the man is, then the man begins to interpret it to you. That's what we still want to be doing in Christianity now. People have turned it. Into Pastor, you go and read it and come and tell us. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you when it comes to divine intervention, you are in a situation God wants to bring you out. Definitely, you need 
people to pray for you, people to pray along with you, and all of that, no doubt. But when it comes to the fulfillment of your destiny, for your life to matter, please, if your own prayer is not involved, please, I'm sorry to let you know this, it will matter. You can't fulfill destiny if you will not. Because in the New Testament, you need to know God yourself. And, and you know, in this world, let me say this to you, the heart of man is desperately wicked. No human being is perfect. If you leave your destiny into the hands of man, ah, <laughs> that's when you will understand men have agenda. Do you understand? So, do you understand what I just said? You need to also know God for yourself. Paul told the Berean Christians, the Bible said the Berean Christians, after Paul finished preaching, Acts 17 11, they now went go back to the Bible to see if what Paul is saying, if it is so. These are all very important concepts. You need to know God for yourself. Of course, of course, uh, Pastor Joshua, Pastor Chuma, Pastor Charles, Pastor Niji, they might have gone far ahead. They know God more than the rest of us. But you know what? That's fine. That's fine. All I need to do is that let me take one step ahead of where I'm coming from. Yesterday, as long as today, I have a sense I'm getting closer to God than I was yesterday, that's good enough for me getting closer to God. Draw near to me, the Bible says, and I will draw near to you. So we're going to do a lot to, about this spiritual intimacy stuff. We're going to do a lot about it in the coming year. Am I, am I still in the good books with you? And finally, as I close, you know, this concept of supernatural supplies, please, it is not humility to say money does not matter. Are you following me now? I know that we live in a world where we've seen, a lot of us have seen some extravagance that has put us off. We've seen extravagance that, our, that has been repulsive to our inner man, to our spirit. I get that. And some, people have been, some people have been extravagant, even, even Christians, so-called Christians, and wastages and all of that. I get that. But you see, all of that does not cancel the fact that it is needed. Children want to go to school. Am I right about it? Do you know? Do you know how much it is? I don't know about you. Maybe it's only. I'm sure it's only, probably only me. They did it too. They did it to only me. They increased the interest rates. My mortgage has increased. I'm sure the people at the bank didn't like me. They did it only to me. Only the interest rates just went through the roof. I mean, how, how are you going to pay for that? Then you still have your obligations, heating costs, all of this. You need all of this. You need to be in a point in your life by the grace of the Almighty God where your normal activities, you don't have to think about them again. Say amen, please. Oh, how beautiful will it be that your son is graduating from university, your daughter is graduating from university, and you tell your son and your daughter, congratulations, I'm so proud of you, so proud of you. And he's looking and say, oh, thank you, Dad, thank you, Dad. And in the evening, when he's having maybe a little reception for his friends, you tell him, son, I want to just let you know once again that your mom and I were proud of what you've accomplished. And here is the key to your house. How beautiful will it be that your son or your daughter wants to get married? And you watch, just watch them. 
and they're putting money together. He doesn't give me updates. He said, well, you know, this is what we're doing. Mom, lad, man, it's not easy, man. This is what we're putting together. We've got this place. You know, we have a budget. And you say, well, I'm bringing about 25 of my friends. Ah, ah mom, dad, ah, this is all invitation only. We're going to trip it because the venue, ah, the venue. I said, okay, so, so how much do you have? Said, ah, you know, we've been putting money together for a long time. Okay, how much do you have? Uh, well, you mean both of us? Uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> how much do you have? Uh, they look at each other and say, we have 12,000. I said, ah, you want to get married? <laughs> so, okay, keep putting, keep, just keep putting your money together. All right, just let me have an update in next week or in two weeks' time. Then they come back after two weeks. They say, well, I say, so how much has it been now? He said, 13,700. <laughs> And you tell them, you know, keep putting your money together. How much did you say the whole budget is? He said 25,000. I say, here's the check. And tell them, put that money to buy a house. Oh, your son or your daughter buys a house already. Say, Mom, I just wanted to surprise you. I bought a house. And you say, fantastic. You know, I want, to, I want you to build wealth. You know what? I'll be responsible for the mortgage for the first three years. But on this condition, the mortgage for that house, pay it into this account. I want to be seeing it every month. Do you get the point? Can I say something to you quickly? Please don't take this wrongly. And if you're watching online, don't take this wrongly. I'm just telling you exactly what it is called. Do you know that there's something, there's a concept called, please don't take this uh, wrongly at all, but I'm just telling you what it is, what it's called. There's something called white privilege. All right? Now, now, just wait. In white privilege, under white privilege, okay, one of the things about white privilege is to use power to gain power. Um, the way they use power to gain power is to build wealth and hand over the wealth to the next generation. That's it. So their own children go to school, they don't take OSAP loan. They don't take loan. They finish school, they're debt free. Then they have four or five houses, they hand it over. They're starting from that point. Then our own, we come into this country. We, we first borrow money to pay first and last. We look for a guarantor. We get a loan. Then when you now eventually start working at age 22, you and your parents are paying the mortgage together. We, we do that for the next 10 years. Then we get married at 45. Do you understand what I'm saying? If your parents didn't do it for you, then you do it for your children. When we started House of Praise, thank God there are people here who started House of Praise together right there. It was less than $500. Less than $500. Oh, yeah. In a living room in Misaga here, a two-bedroom flat. Seven adults and a few children. That's how House of Praise started. This church started. God started helping us, helping us, and helped us to where we are today. When we started churches, the churches we started, for the first one year, we'll tell those churches, tell verbally, we write them a letter that the church administrator who is also a member of the board she's here, signs on behalf of the board, so that even if all of us, the leadership here, are no longer here where the church, we bound the church to it, that we are going to pay, they should just keep their offerings for the first one year, keep their offerings and the tithes to their own church, we will be responsible for the rent, responsible for the days, responsible for the instrumentation, responsible for, we pay all of that for one year by the time the church is coming out of that one year, they are ready to suffer. 
this is what we do. We pay the pastors, we pay this, we give them this, we give them this, the ones that, out, this, this is close to $100,000. There was one particular church we started, we paid, we spent over $150,000 for the church. This is how, this is how it's all. And you know, one of those churches that we started, now started a church and did exactly the same thing. That's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. We should not, because we went through drumming, every other person we went through. When we started, we were, oh, single, single, praise the Lord. We used to hit our hands together. But in this day and age, you start a church in Toronto and you do, oh, single, single. People are going to look at you and say, well, when you get the same together, come back. And there's, particularly the young adults, they don't have time. Young adults don't have time for that. They need smoke machine. You see, you don't have, they need smoke machine to be bringing out smoke, all manner of things to be happening. Today alone, today, every Super Sunday, they have to eat. They cannot hear God without eating. They believe a lot in the scripture. Man shall not live by bread alone. So they have to eat bread as they're hearing God. They finish hearing in the sanctuary. They go out to that place. They're going to eat every Super Sunday. They're going to eat and it's free. Buses have to bring them from their schools free. As the buses bring them, they get here. But as they're going back home, they're already hungry. Even normal Sundays, they're already hungry. We have to sort them out. Young adults. And I love them. They bring energy. They bring talent. Listen, listen. Let me close, let me close, let me close. If we don't, so you can't do a Saturday church today and you do all single, single, praise them, and then you go, you know, when the church starts with seven or eight people, you always have blessed people that can sing or that cannot sing. It's not easy. We can't do, we have to understand that this generation must hand over to the next, this church, to the glory of God, is debt free. Completely debt free. They're completely debt free. When we're handing it over and giving the baton to the next generation, they are going to take something heavy. That's the way it's supposed to be. We should give something, and it takes supernatural supplies to do this. Can I hear an amen? So don't spend all the money, there's nothing wrong in it. Don't spend all the money on jewelry alone. Don't spend all the money on, make sure that you have something you can bequeath to your children. And to do that, you need to have, to meet your own needs. Can I hear an amen? And then more than enough to give to them. Stand on your feet like a champion. This is the end of the message. We are sure that you have been blessed. For more information, please visit our website at www.houseofpraise.ca. God bless you.